Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate and follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Followup Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. We have more military simulations happening here, computer-type simulations, than anywhere else in the world. So it's the military simulation capital of the world. Welcome, best-ever listeners, to another episode of the Actively Passive Investing Show. I'm your host, Travis Watts. And for any of our active listeners to this segment of the show, you know we don't have guests on the show. We're nearly 100 episodes in. Used to be myself and Theo Hicks, my co-host, but we have never had a guest on this show But today, I have brought a guest on to add value, and the reason is we're doing a market update on Orlando, Florida, and so I was trying to figure out how I was going to present this information, and the last thing I wanted to do was pull a bunch of data, stats, and facts, and just read off a sheet to you guys, so I thought, let me bring on a market expert. So that's who we have with us here today. His name is Stephen Tilton. Stephen, welcome to the show. 
Hey, Travis, thanks for having me, man. It's a privilege to be here with that kind of introduction. <laughs> well, you bet. I appreciate you. You know, we've done a lot of deals together. We've bought, sold real estate. We've talked a lot of investing over the years. We've attended conferences together. So I think you're a very knowledgeable resource for this particular market. And the reason we're covering Orlando is, as you know, there's been a tremendous amount of interest in the Orlando market. You and I live in the Orlando and surrounding markets ourselves. And even Ashcroft Capital has been investing in this area, Winter Park in Orlando, for the last two, three, almost four years now. So uh, I think right. it's a worthwhile discussion. A lot's changed since COVID started. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, your journey, and then we'll dive in and get started. Very good. Well, thank you. I got into real estate originally as a listing agent. I'd had a little background because both my parents were agents heading into the 2008 crash. And our lives kind of got turned upside down through that. So I took a break, started another business, sold that off and decided real estate was really the way to go. Along the way, listing properties, sort of becoming an expert at selling, I began to find all of these properties below market value as well, sort of in my hunt. And I said, hey, wait a minute, if I can sell them for top dollar and find them at a discount, this is a match made in heaven. But the problem we kept running into was contracting. We couldn't get properties from dilapidated below market value to retail ready. So in 2020, we started a contracting business. I like to keep my finger on the pulse of the market. And I think that's what you and I enjoy is sort of being able to talk about those market dynamics and frankly, why people love Orlando so much. I appreciate you sharing. And I just want to make this clear that this is not just a bias episode, just because we live in Orlando and we want to promote Orlando. If you just look at the nationwide stats on where companies, businesses are relocating to, Orlando is top of the charts. Florida in general, but I have brought you on because you're the expert in the central Florida area. So a lot of investor interest, a lot of multifamily interest, a lot of single family interest. There's just a lot of interest. So let me ask you this, Stephen. You and I both invest individually, our personal capital into this market. But I want to ask you, why do you invest in the Orlando market? Russell Gray from the Real Estate Guys has been a great influence on me. I want to shout out to him for what they do for the real estate investor community. They have a saying that says, live where you want to live and invest where the numbers make sense. And with Orlando, I think it's really both. I love living in Orlando. I think there's a lot of people who enjoy it, but it also has really strong market performance, which is what's been driving investor sentiment and investor interest. So mainly we've got strong migration trends, people coming from high equity states like New York and California, where they may not like the policy, the taxes might be higher, and maybe it's colder. So they're coming to Florida for the weather, the lifestyle, and relative affordability. And unbelievable market absorption. When we consider what DR Horton's doing with 80 plus communities here in the Orlando area, it's a pretty strong commitment that they're making with their land acquisitions and building projects they've got going on. There's a lot of migration in general just to the Sun Belt regions. I've been talking about that on the show for years now, not just this show, but on podcasts for years. So it's funny to watch the trickle down effect the New York, the New Jersey, to your point, high taxes. 
the politics, the landlord-tenant laws, trickle down through the Carolinas and through Georgia and then, of course, to Florida. It's funny driving around, and I know you know this because you're driving around all the time with clients, but all the out-of-state tags, especially up and down the East Coast, is just phenomenal. What a change from, I know you, you helped me buy a property back in, what was it, 2017, and man, things have really changed in this market. There's been so much construction happening on all fronts, not just residential, but definitely commercial. I'm curious, Travis, what is it that you love so much about Orlando? Yeah, it's a good question. I think for me, generally speaking, I'm a full-time limited partner. As you know, I'm a passive investor. So what I'm doing is I'm partnering up with firms that are buying multifamily, mostly value-add stuff. And there's a lot of research out there we can all look at, Marcus and Millichap and CBRE and CoStar. So they're kind of running their own analysis, where companies, where jobs, where people are moving to. And it just so happens that Orlando is one of the really hot markets. You got markets like Tampa that have exceeded statistically what Orlando's done. Jacksonville's done phenomenal. So again, this isn't a invest in Orlando. It's the only place to be. But I live here, so I notice it, and it's so crazy right now for anybody who is here visiting here, the changes. So to answer your question, I go by their analysis. I go by kind of the nationwide stats, and right now I'm bullish here in Central Florida, but ask me in five years. If things change, something crazy happens, Florida says we're doing a 10% state income tax, (laughs) people are going to be exiting like crazy, and who knows where they're going to go. That's a little bit about what I look at. Yeah. You know, I think one of the really interesting things we talk about jobs here in Orlando is there's a large contingent of people. And during the pandemic, we thought maybe everybody, all information work can be done from home. But there's a pretty large contingent now that says maybe it's 15% or 20% of the information workforce, but they can move wherever they want to go geographically, and they can simply do their work at home. So suddenly, they are faced with the decision of where do I want to live independent of my workplace? And I think a lot of people decide they don't like snow. They don't like high income taxes. They love Disney World and the other world-class attractions. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. What's holding you back from getting into apartment building deals? Is it knowledge, fear, inability to take action, lack of support? If it's any of these things, then I suggest you consider Deal Maker Mentoring with Michael Blanc. Michael's program is the most effective program to help you syndicate your first apartment building deal. During Deal Maker Mentoring, you'll work directly with one of Michael's experienced mentors who have successfully replaced their income with apartment buildings. They've already done what you want to do, which is become financially free. So in addition to providing their own syndication experience, They've been trained in Michael's unique deal maker blueprint designed to help you do your first deal and become financially free just like them in the next one to three years. To find out more, text the word Joe to 66866. I know Michael's going to get you to where you'd like to be. Again, text the word Joe to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own syndication business. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. 
They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investor Guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. A lot like, say, in California, there's a lot of dynamic to Florida. As you know, Panama City is nothing like Miami, and Miami's really not a whole lot like the Florida Keys. There's a lot of in-between. Tampa's not Orlando. So there's a lot of local places that you can go, to your point. And whether you're a beach person, the beach is, what, maybe an hour and 15 or something from Central Florida. It's not incredibly long commute. And, of course, Disney and all that kind of stuff. And on that note, I just want to add this to the listeners Markets change and markets evolve. And Orlando is one of those markets now. You and I, Stephen, we were out at this real estate conference a year ago or something out in Houston. And a lot of investors have this connotation about Houston that it's all oil and gas. So when oil and gas is down, Houston's a bust. And it's just not true anymore. That was somewhat true at one time in the history of Houston. But it is so much more diversified now. It is so much more built out. They have all kinds of industries there from tech to healthcare to you name it. And it's the same thing with Orlando. What I hear most as an objective from investors about Orlando is it's a tourism city. And while that has some truth to it, of course, we have mega attractions, Disney, Universal, SeaWorld, et cetera. But there's so much more and they're building microchip factories and the whole tech hub over by Lake Nona, as you know, and there's just so much more that's happening here. And that's something to consider when you look at job diversification as an investor, I don't want to be in a Detroit, Michigan in 2006 and seven, right before the collapse, because you're built on really one industry. And when it goes down, we all know what happened in, in that story. The job sector in Orlando really is more diversified than people think. To your point, Travis, a lot of people, just like Houston, where they think it's oil and gas, they think about the 78 million visitors that come here annually and over the $50 billion in economic impact that tourism brings, which is great. And I'll tell you, the city of Orlando, they love that 10% hotel tax. They build stadiums and all kinds of things with it. It's been really great. But the lesser known industry that's really larger than the tourism industry, but it's sort of not marketed as much. It's a little bit of secrecy. It's military and defense. We actually construct missiles here. The irony is when you're on the Orlando Eye, on one side, you've got International Drive, and on the other, there's literally a Lockheed Martin missile factory and a research and development center. So it's sort of this perfect microcosm of the jobs market here. Not just on the military and defense front, we have more military simulations happening here, computer type simulations, than anywhere else in the world. So it's the military simulation capital of the world. Not to mention what we have going on for uh, our medical industry. We have a great place, which was an awesome private public partnership known as Lake Nona Medical City. 
And they have put a number of medical research hospitals there, including the Moore's Children's Hospital. So when we think about that and, and the UCF research, medical research facilities, these are really world-class medical facilities that are attracting top talent and not just software, military and defense like engineering, but also in the medical industry. And those industries really pay so much more than when we consider jobs like hotel cleaning person or somebody like a ride operator. Those jobs are making 15 an hour or something like that. You're getting six-figure jobs in some of those other industries. And also, lastly, but not the least of which, is our education industry. We've got incredible technology research facilities here at UCF. It's a phase one university. So they're doing all kinds of research in a number of different fields, but engineering is really the specialty. So they have a track. If you're living here in Orlando and you've got a kid coming up college age, they can be local, stay in your home and get an amazing education at UCF and basically be direct tracked into like Lockheed Martin or Raytheon or one of these other major, major defense contractor. So it gives people major upward mobility here in the future. Thinking about Valencia College, I hear Bernie Sanders talk about free education or free college education, regardless of your political views on it. In the state of Florida, it's essentially free. They'll pay you if you're a low-income earner to get your associate's degree at risk of going on too long. Basically, if you're a full-time student, you get complete tuition paid for community college, and the federal government will additionally step in with another benefit that's almost three times as large, meaning to get your associates, you actually profit if you qualify. It's an incredible place to live, and it's an incredible job market. There you go. Couldn't agree more. And there's probably a different program you were just describing. But when I went to college, it was out here in Orlando so many years ago, and there was the Bright Future Scholarship. And it was if you have a certain GPA and some community service, same kind of concept. I at least had an associate's paid for at a public school. So that program was funded if it's still around. It was funded by the Florida Lottery. So kind of some cool things that they've done structurally. So you mentioned politics, which is always a big mistake. So let's talk a little bit about politics and dive into that. More importantly, let's talk about the Federal Reserve real quick as we kind of wrap up. Let's look at the macro level about real estate. We've been bullish, bullish, bullish on this episode. But let's talk a little bit about interest rates. And I'd like to get your thoughts on what you think we might see or what's happening now in that space. Well, nobody ever knows what's going to happen, right? The wise man says, well, it depends. So it depends. But I think what is likely to happen is something similar to what we saw in 2018, 2019, when the Federal Reserve began tapering their asset purchases. They had some favorable tax policy that kind of gave them a little bit of breathing room to begin scaling back those asset purchases. And that's what they did. But as they began doing it, we saw the yield curve flatten and then eventually invert. And especially since 2020, we have a really strong track record. When the bond market yield curve inverts, it precedes a recession every single time since 1971. So we're already seeing a flattening of the yield curve just with the Federal Reserve talking about raising interest rates. And yet we see inflation roaring. I think it's obviously two side. We've got a supply chain problem. And as that's alleviated, that should help. But we're also getting the worst kind of sort of inflation. And that's where the public becomes sort of psychologically aware of inflation. And they begin demanding more from their employers, which, of course, drives the cost of production up, begins this negative feedback cycle. So the Federal Reserve is really in a tough spot. 
And I'm curious to see how it's going to pan out. As it yep. pertains to real estate, Travis, I'm curious what your thoughts are on how things will materialize. <laughs> yeah, well, like you, no one's got a crystal ball. What I've shared here with the listeners on this podcast before is there's a lot more that plays into it than just interest rates. And that's the short-sighted thinking as well. If interest rates go up, then the real estate crashes. Well, to your point, you have supply chain issues. We have a severe lack of inventory on affordable housing. We've been behind since the year 2000 of providing enough homes for Americans. 2008, 9, 10 slowed that down more. COVID slowed that down more. We're millions of households behind. I shared that on a couple episodes ago. I don't have the stats in front of me. So you've got to factor in all of this. And the way I look at it is this. Maybe the the Fed's not going to be able to raise interest rates from what's a mortgage today, 3% or something, all the way to say 6%. Maybe that's way too aggressive. And the reason you might want to consider that is one, the amount of national debt that we have, obviously, what that would do to markets, to real estate, to the overall economy. We've already seen, to your point, them kind of stepping back from that. But here's another perspective to think about. I ran the numbers the other day on a $300,000 single family home purchase at a 3% interest rate today or a potential 4% interest rate next year, just in theory, right? That changes your payment 150 bucks a month. Is $150 a month really going to stop somebody who really wants to buy or own a home from purchasing? So you can kind of apply that theory to the larger assets as well. Multifamily is primarily driven off net operating income. So if you're still buying a stabilized cash flowing piece of property, you still think rents are below market and you can bump them up with inflation that we're seeing right now at 7%. I still think there's a bullish case to be made for real estate in general, but also for multifamily. So I'm not an expert, but that's kind of my take anyway. Great point, Travis. When we are making our investments, we're sort of beginning with the end in mind and, and expecting some of these marketplace dynamics to change. And, and for me, when I'm in an uncertain market and I'm purchasing anything with debt, I am most focused on cash flow, even more specifically, my expense ratio relative to my gross income. So some of the investments we're buying, we've got expense ratios well under 50%. So what we know from studying past downturns is typically rents don't go down much. If they do, it's something more like 20%. And if we feel making those kinds of investments, obviously a much smaller single family properties where we're able to accomplish some of those kinds of numbers, we feel pretty comfortable regardless of what happens here in the short term with interest rates. That's a great point, Stephen. Rents are pretty inflation sensitive too. As long as we're seeing some form of inflation, they tend to keep up or actually they're in excess of that. I've, I've shared that statistic too on the show. They've been 583 basis points above the government inflation since 2012. So just something to think about. Right now we're seeing a 7% inflation rate. So number one driver to NOI on commercial is the rent bumps. So we'll see what happens. But I appreciate your insights. I appreciate you sharing. Now, Stephen, if anyone's looking in the Orlando market, whether they're looking to buy investment property or just a home for themselves or whatever, how can listeners reach you? You can send me an email at tiltonteam at gmail.com. That's my last name, T-I-L-T-O-N, team like sports team, gmail.com. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up. As always, appreciate your time, Stephen. Best ever listeners, take Stephen up on that offer. Reach out if you have any questions about the Orlando market. Make sure to like, subscribe, and comment. Appreciate you guys. As always, we'll see you next week on another episode of the Actively Passive Show. Have a best ever week, everyone.